You're tuned in to the Pints and Pundits, so welcome to all of you new listeners to our weekly podcast. In today's show, we're going to be discussing Daniel James's transfer to Manchester United, as well as Romelu Lukaku's potential move to Inter Milan with Perisic coming in the opposite direction. We're also going to be answering any questions that you guys have sent in as viewers and discussing other topics football related. Let's go. Guys, so it's the Peaky Pundit here and I'm joined by producer Pav on this week's podcast. Pav, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Peaky. I'm doing well. Yourself? Very well, mate. Very well. So, look, just before we get into it, this is the part of the week where we sit down, we have a couple of pints, we discuss all things relating to Man United and other kind of football-related topics. Um, a lot been going on, obviously, this week. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been eventful. We've got a lot to crack on today. So, uh, so cheers, Peaky. Let's get into it. Cheers. Um, just before we get into the transfer stuff... Um, Obviously, this is quite a new podcast and, you know, we've launched a new YouTube channel in the last few months. So tell us a bit about what the, what the channel is, what the viewers should expect and uh, the whole the whole kind of aim of it. So the channel itself is just to give um, another platform to United fans around the globe um, to kind of keep up to date with, um, obviously, content that we're bringing to them relating to the football club. Um, our main bits of content are going to be coming on match days when we're travelling um, to home and away games, bringing our match day vlogs in partnership with Full Time Devils. Um, and, and, and it's just to bring fans closer to the action. But the main objective is to give them a, a bit of a platform to voice anything they want, um, you know, about the club. It's not just about our opinions, it's about collecting Effectively, all fans giving them a platform to come on with us and join us in our debates like this um, in the future and any videos at match days. Uh, it's a little bit of trivia for the fans as well. You used to uh, used to play semi pro yourself. Yeah, I used to play. Well, I was playing full time actually when I finished school at sixteen. Um, it was for Kettering, who were playing in the conference at the time as a full time professional club. Um, was managed um, under Paul Gascoigne and ex United manager Ron Atkinson as well. So that was quite a, an experience for me, and uh, yeah, one one I'll never forget. Good stuff, good stuff. So, um, yeah, if you're listening on the uh, podcast platforms, be sure to give us a hit on YouTube. Just search for Peaky Pundit. And if you're uh, listening to the audio version on YouTube, have a search of Peaky Pundit on all the uh, main podcast platforms. So, uh, should we get into the transfer latest then? Let's get into it. So, look, obviously this week, um, the one that's materialised the most out of all of them that have been floating around is obviously Daniel James. Um, I'll be completely honest, Matt, I didn't really know a lot about the kid um, yeah. before it sort of broke out. So I think like many United fans, I jumped onto YouTube and searched him up. But um, he looks like he's got some pace on him. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's pretty much all been YouTube research uh, as it is with these kind of lesser known players. Um, but from from what I've watched and, you know, li- looking at what Ryan Giggs has to say about him as well, he's very pacey, sticks to that wing. And one of the things just from, from the stuff we've seen as soon as the ball comes to his feet, he don't wait around. He's, he's on the front foot and he's, and he's at him. And that's, that's the kind of attack we need. Obviously, look, looking at his stats from last season, he had 33 appearances, uh, four goals, nine assists. Um, as you kind of just said, he looks like a player that when he gets the ball, he's quite direct, very pacey. Yeah. Um, you know, have we kind of missed that in recent weeks. I, I, I was at the West Ham game and this is where... Martial really frustrated me because he was up against Zabaleta, who's an ageing um, fullback. And I thought, you know, that was an opportunity for Martial, who was in a bit of bad form, to have a game, you know, to run at his fullback, to, you know, go by him two or three times just to get his confidence up. Mm. But he looked quite reserved. And, I, and towards the back end of the season, I, I felt that was the case with a lot of our attacking players. They didn't seem kind of, um, you know, confident in themselves or brave enough to kind of beat their men and go beyond players. So do we need yeah. somebody like, like James? Yeah, we need someone who's hungry and fearless. And from what we've seen and, you know, feedback we've heard from, you know, other coaches and, um, you know, on Sky Sports, they usually get the championship experts on, you know, the pundits. And they've all had nothing but praise to say about Daniel James. Um, there's been a bit, lot of, like you said, like speculation began uh, start of last week. 
and it's been fairly positive from you know most fans that we've spoken to and the kind of reaction we've seen online. Uh, it seems like talks have materialised quite strongly. A lot of reports saying, uh, I think I think it was yesterday or the day before, that it was pretty much a done deal. Uh, fee was agreed uh, from reports this morning. Um, at the time of recording, we're recording on Thursday, uh, 23rd of May. Um, there was reports saying that um, his father, unfortunately, suddenly uh, suddenly passed away, which um, obviously puts him at a tough spot in his um, you know personal personal life. And, and just on that note, you know, big condolences to the James yeah. family from all of us as well. Yeah, you know, he's a young lad. That's going to be quite difficult, and it's it's hard for that to occur. Then go and you know sign for you know one of the biggest clubs in the world and be you know center of the media for like twenty four forty eight hours. So uh, I'm sure I'm sure the deal is probably agreed. Um, they're just waiting for the right time. So I, I think probably you know by the end of the month he'll we'll see him in the uh, the new Manchester United jersey. Obviously, he's coming um, you know from from the Welsh national team as well, where Ryan Giggs is obviously the manager there. Um, uh, Giggs obviously obviously gave United the kind of support in, in James so obviously having the opinion of an ex-United winger himself he's obviously seen something in James where he knows he's you know maybe got the kind of credentials to, to kind of fit in at the club and, and you know under the right guidance and coaching and training obviously you know um, you know yeah. get into the team and play so it'd be interesting to see how things progress as he kind of signs for the club Yeah G- Giggsy knows what it takes to be successful down that wing and if Giggsy can see some sort of potential in in Daniel James, I'm sure he's passed that feedback on to Ollie and you know the, the United board. And um, to be honest, mate, if someone said to me a few months ago when we were going on that run of you know uh, losses and draws, you know first signing is going to be 21 year old Swansea winger, I would have said, "Fucking come on, man, you can do better than that." But then the way the season's played out. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing him, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do and whether he can push in and, you know, become a strong figure, you know, on, on that attacking side for us. Also, just wanted to touch on this with you, Pav, obviously towards the back end of the season on the fan cams that we were doing, um, we had a lot of fans when we were asking them what kind of players we need to go and sign. A lot of them uh, were, were veering more towards um, not just British players, but young um, players who needed a bit of nurturing but had potential. Um, obviously, James fits that mould. Um, is it some? Is he a sort of player who you, who you think you know under the right guidance could potentially go on? Because for me, he's a winger who's coming in, and we've seen sort of qualities in him that we saw with Ronaldo, where he had that raw pace when he first came in, has a little trick or two mm. under the right guidance or whatever. Is that is there that potential for him, you know, to go on and kind of be a well beater? And is United the, is the right kind of club for him to to progress as a player? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you're buying a player so young, you're buying a lot into potential as well. So. You know, obviously players like Ronaldo, they only come around every so every so often. But, you know, the, the least you can do is, you know, is hope and, you know, nurture him. Hopefully the training staff, uh, the coaching can kind of build him into a player that's going to really be strong at United for uh, for years to come. Perfect. Moving on to the next one, Mr. Romelu Lukaku. Um, yeah. Massive split decisions on him from fans at the club. Uh, had a lot of fans saying, like, you know, he's not a United number nine. We need to move him on in the summer. Um, there's been reports coming out that's linking him to Inter Milan. There's a few factors that play into this deal. I think um, we're waiting on Conte to see if he's going to be appointed as Inter Milan's manager. We know Conte admires Rom. Um, he tried to sign him in 2017 uh, for Chelsea. Um, also, Lukaku come out on Italian media channel and expressed, um, you know, his desire to play in the Serie A last month. Um, where do you sit with him? You know, if, if that deal does go through, I know he's coming out as well, linking Perisic plus cash in the way of United for for Lukaku. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, news broke earlier today. Um, a lot of kind of media outlets, uh, respected media outlets, are reporting it as well. They're saying, uh, you know, uh, Lukaku to into into Milan and Perisic coming our way plus thirty million. It's it's, it's one of those peaky, you know. <sighs> 
I mean, let's look at Lukaku's numbers first season. Uh, they weren't too bad. You know, he came in, he had 51 appearances, he scored 27 goals and he got nine assists. And coming in, you know, that's a strong first season, don't you think? Yeah, I, you know, it's split because when he signed for United, you know, we saw him bully defences. Um, we've not really seen him do that at United but his stats haven't been terrible. Um, Just last season, they dipped a bit. Last season, they dipped a bit. And I think what was frustrating last season is when watching him, um, you know, his hold-up play, which I think would be one of his main attributes, his hold-up play was very poor. Balls were just kind of bouncing off him. Um, and I think a lot of fans got on his back, you know, when we would see the inconsistency in his performances as well. Um, he does seem to look scoring, uh, make you know, makes it look very hard to score um, some of the simplest goals. But then he did score some some kind of important goals for us at crucial parts of, of the yeah, yeah. season last year, you know, away at PSG. Um, then the Southampton game at home, he scored a couple when we won that game 3-2. Um, I've come out and publicly said I, I wouldn't mind... Um, you know, getting rid of him. I think his time is yeah. done at United. For me, I look at him, he just doesn't seem like that United sort of player. Yeah. He doesn't seem like that guy that, you know, I mean, during his heyday in, at Everton, you know, people, you know, if, if we were playing Everton and I saw Lukaku on, on the starting eleven, I'd be like, okay, we're, we're in for a game. Yeah. He's going to give that defence a bit of trouble. Now it's a bit like, okay, as long as you're a bit strong, you, you know, you've pretty much got him, got him locked down. Yeah. Um, in terms of Perisic... Actually, just before we get on to Perisic, I mean, just finishing up on Lukaku there. He has only just turned 26. So are, do you think we're being a bit too harsh on him? Because he's, he's just turned 26. He's still got, you know, at least four or five, you know, prime years in him. And his record for Belgium is pretty much second to none. He's, he's their top scorer. See, you know what it is, uh, Pat? There's a few people in that category with Lukaku in terms of age. Um, they're at that 25, 26, 27 age. And for me, them sort of players should be really peaking in their careers now. They should, um, you know, be making their starting positions their own um, and really, you know, cementing their first team kind of positions down. But him, along with a couple of others, we won't go into him today. Um, but I feel, you know, I think his time's done. He's had a good couple of seasons to prove himself. Mm. He's not a start. He's not a guaranteed start for us at the minute. You know, we've we've even seen Juan Mata go and play in a false nine position um, to occupy that, say, the, the front man role, mm. um, and and we've shifted, say, Rashford, Martial, or Lingard, Lingard out wide. So, you know, for me, his time is done. I think um, it's funny though, like you said, internationally, he's got a fantastic record. But then I've seen players at United that once their confidence has gone, they find it very, very difficult to kind of win the fans back over. Um, and, and you know, it's a, big, it's a big pressure for a lot for a lot of players out there massive uh, pressure um look you wanted to go on to Perisic as well as yeah, part of the exchange I want to get, get your thoughts because it's I was, I was chatting to a few boys on on whatsapp today you know you always send it over the new you know transfer news and that and uh, we were kind of split on the whole Perisic thing whether you know whether he'd benefit us whether he's too old he is 30 years old now see um, this is the, see my thoughts on that is we had Ander Herrera um who we okay yeah we didn't offer him a five-year deal and I get that but his age 30 years of age um you know we let him go for me, he's somebody we should have kept. Um, there's obviously a reason we didn't keep him. And I think his age may have been a factor in that. Because I think the club are taking a new direction on the kind of players they want to sign. I think they've taken a lot of stick and criticism from fans who have said, we keep signing players who are coming towards the end of their careers at clubs when we've brought in Mata and Matic. Um, so for me, I think he's a player, um, I don't think he's going to benefit us massively. Yes, he'll bring a bit of experience. Um, but to be honest with you, I'd rather cash in on Lukaku and go and sign somebody like Ruben Neves, say, to play in the middle of the park. Um, Pet spend a bit more on him, but you know, you know, he's, he's, he's relatively young still. Um, and you'd hope he'd have, you know, a lot of his best years to come. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, from what we've seen from Perisic, from his time at Inter, also, you know, playing at the World Cup as well. You know, he's a talented player. He's He's got a lot in his locker. He can cross the ball. He's direct and he's got a few goals in him as well. Um, also, you know, playing top level. So you're buying experience at, uh, on top of that. Is, is he, it's, it's, it's just the age factor, isn't it? Um, to be honest, if, if the deal did happen, if it was 30 million plus um, Perisic, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be the unhappiest person in the world. I think he definitely contribute. You know, a few assists. He hopefully train up the likes of James and you know, you know, your Rashfords and Martial's, and you know, show them a little bit about you know that directness and, and what it takes to you know be consistent on on a year in and a year out basis. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, I think it could happen. You know, as soon as the international um, window opens, um, I think this one could be uh, through the doors pretty quickly. I think that's what we're all kind of waiting for—that international window to open to see who we, you know, do going kind of uh, bidding for or not. And look, moving on to another transfer target of United's. We know we need to strengthen up our back line. Um, Kulabai has been linked to United for a while now. Uh, he seems to be um, one of the most popular names amongst fans who we want to sign as a centre back. Twenty-seven years old. Um, look, ninety million pound bid reportedly was rejected. Um, do we need to just take the hit and just put the money down for you know what whatever they're looking or asking for him? Look, Liverpool made a statement when they signed Van Dijk, right? They they broke the they broke the record and everybody looked at them and thought, you guys are crazy spending that on a centre back. Look where they are now, from Southampton. Yeah, from Southampton, <laughs> and look, look where they are now. They're you know Champions League final, um, couple points away from the Premier League title. We just need to we just need to cash get the cash out and pay it because you know he's he's a top top quality centre half he's experienced he's proven he's in the prime of his career and if if it's just covered you know ten twenty million that's the stumbling block of us not signing him they just need to pay it because that back forward needs somebody in there is going to command it and he's, he's going to be the guy to do it. You just made a point on there as well about um, Van Dijk at Liverpool. Um, we, look, we've got one of the world's best goalkeepers, if not the best goalkeeper in the world. Um, I think his form has suffered a little bit from, you know, the defence he's had in front of him. But with Van Dijk, you said, like, look where Liverpool are now, knowing, you know, you've got a centre-back who is absolutely solid. We've had that over the years at United. We're missing that massively at the moment. Obviously, by signing a top-class centre-half, um, someone like Kulabai, do you think that would then spur us on or give us that, you know, ability to then build the rest of the team moving forward, but just have that solid foundation at the back, a, a commander and a leader? Yeah, I mean, you look at the stats. When, uh, I think it was uh, literally 2018-2019 season. I think Liverpool either kept the most clean sheets or kind of they were second. If you were to say that at the time when they were conceding, you know, shitloads of goals a few seasons beforehand, you would have said, no way. Yeah. One man's coming. He sorted it, sorted it out, obviously, with, you know, the coaching of Klopp as well and the defensive tactics. That, that exact same thing could happen with us. You get Koulibaly in, spurs up the players around him. And then from there, we get solid from the back and then the rest just follows. Just follows. Staying with the back line, um, obviously, look, we know the right back position is a, is a position that we need to strengthen. Um, and we're going to touch on it a bit later about Ashley Young as well, um, almost coming out in the media this week. But Aaron Wan-Bissaka, he's been linked, 21 years old, right back. Um, reportedly, we've had a bid rejected. Um, obviously, look, we've seen him play over the season at Crystal Palace. Is he um, the right kind of right back we need? Is he a player who you'd like to see come in? Three words, get him in. Sim yeah. Simple as that, just get him in. Because uh, right back's been a troubled spot for us for how many seasons now, Peaky? You know, it, we, we've just had putting put makeshift players there. But Valencia there, they've had Young there. Dallo's obviously came in, but he's still young. He's still got to prove himself. We've got Aaron Wambasaka proven in the Premier League. Uh, you know, he's young. He's 21 years old. He's hungry. Um, I think even earlier on in the season, he was doing an interview and they were like, what's, what's the best ground you played at? And he said, Old Trafford. I think it's all there. Palace are going to be playing hardball with the fee. Again, same sort of situation with Koulibaly. Pay the fee, get him in. 
And if we can get Koulibaly and Wan-Bissaka, I'm very confident that that defence with Shaw and then Lindelof uh, improving, you know, Lindelof and Bay probably rotating, Smalling as a backup centre-half. That's a strong defence, man. Something solid to build on, for sure. Um, but I think, look, uh, I think the main thing is that we through the summer, we know we had to sign players. We hope the club don't kind of dilly-dally around um, and, you know, have bids rejected or take time. And, and we know as a club, we're going to pay that tax. Be a Man United, clubs know that they can charge that United, 15, 20% extra. The United tax, man. United tax. So let's yeah. just hope, you know, the board really get their act together and we go and sign players um, who we want to sign. Touching on a com- couple of the other transfer rumours as well, we've seen this week that we've seen Rakitic, uh, Strootman and Long. Longstaff and um, all kind of links coming in. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of them three? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the usual case with United. You know, every name gets linked with us, so their uh, price tag, you know, inflates a little bit. But yeah, we've seen Rakitic uh, rumours. Sky Sports reporting yesterday. Strootman on loan. Uh, Sean Longstaff being uh, reported. Also De Gea uh, uh, rejecting a contract offer. A lot of speculation. Probably a lot of bullshit in those reports as well. Um, Strootman, no way. Not having him at all. Rakitic, I think it's a similar sort of situation. Just, just on Strootman, didn't they, obviously, we, 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 um, we put in... We him for a few years yeah, ago, but... And now we've been offered him on a free. No, he's, <laughs> I just wouldn't take him, mate. Wouldn't take him. The, thing, the thing that made me laugh, just quickly on that, is that on Sky Sports News yesterday, it said United, Everton, I think West Ham linked West Ham, with him. Yeah. And I thought, God, are we... That's, that's, where, that's where we are now, mate. That's, <laughs> that's our, that's our, uh, that's our standing, unfortunately. With Dehey, you just touched on there, apparently he's rejected another contract. Um, how important is it that... Whether he's going or whether he's staying, how important is it that that deal, whichever way it's going, gets sorted as soon as possible? Yeah, I think it's going to rely on, on our actual transfer activity. You know, whether Pogba stays, uh, we, we recruit the right players. You know, if we do get the Koulibaly's, Wan-Bissaka, uh, Pogba in, Daniel James, uh, possibly Perisic. If he sees that coming, he sees that, you know, hang about. If I, st- if I stay here, you know, probably, you know, for the longer part of my career, there is going to be a chance that I'll get back, back to the silverware. So um, I think he's going to be dependent on what happens in front of him. Now, just touching on players' uh, contracts at the club who are currently there. So we've got one matter who's out of contract currently. And then we've got players in the last years of their contract. So we've got David De Gea, Rashford and Matic, um, who have got the option for an additional one year. And then you've got Eric Bailly and Damian as well. Um, obviously, look, there's some kind of couple of senior players in there. Um, but surely, look, they're players who we want to be tying down um, or if not risk losing on a free transfer. Damien, Damien needs to be sold. Yeah. Um, Matic, I mean, I wouldn't mind carrying Matic for another year, but you know, if we can get a decent fee for him, I wouldn't mind that either. But obviously, a lot of it's going to be dependent on who comes in as well. Peak, you know, if we do get the likes of um, Thomas Partey, he's been, uh, you know, from Atletico Madrid, he's been in the reports a lot. If we get him in, then Matic has got to go. It, yeah, the ones we need, obviously Rashford, De Gea and uh, Bailly, I'd, I'd like to get tied down uh, as soon as possible. As soon as possible. As a United fan over the years, um, you know, when it comes to kind of the summer transfers, um, we've always been super excited because we've been kind of, you know, the leading club in, in, in England, one of the biggest clubs in Europe in terms of attracting some of the biggest names. Um, as a club now, do you think, you know, we lack that star power, you know, to, to sign them star players? Do we do we lack that kind of pull because of our league position and how things are at the club currently? Yeah, obviously, you know, uh, if we're looking, you know, five, six, seven, uh, basically Fergie days, man. Like, if we wanted a player, you, you could pretty much say we're going to get him because we were Man United. Um, still apparent, you know, uh, post-Fergie, you know, you have players like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, um, Di Maria, Sanchez, Pogba, Falcao, all coming to the club during times of uncertainty at the club. Um, but I think now we're at a point, this particular, you know, from the back of this season, where if a, if a big player, you know, example, Delit, if someone says to him, you've got Barcelona or you've got Manchester United, 
Right now, he's going to say Barcelona because we're in a building project, rebuilding project right now. Whereas, you know, there's other clubs out there that are Champions League ready, already playing good football, midway through a project that's going to lead them to a trophy. Whereas we're pretty much down the pecking order in terms of um, where we're looking to go. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. I think like you just hit on the head there, like um, De Ligt, obviously, look, if he, if he was given the option of United or Barca, if, if I was in his shoes, I'd be going to Barca kind of all day long. Um, so, you know, look, we I think first and foremost, we need to get um, back to kind of getting into top four, challenging for the title before we can start saying, yeah, we are going to be able to attract some of the biggest names in Europe. Um Look, moving forward, uh, what is the number one priority? Look, we know um, the squad is depleted or we need to fix the squad. Is it defence? Is it the midfield or attack for you? Which which area would you be looking to, to strengthen and, and, and focus on first? Defence, 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 man. That's, that's the number one. Get that get that sorted and then go and focus on buying, you know, your midfielders and your strikers. Just, just get that centre-back pairing sorted. Get Jones out of the club. Simple yeah. as that. <laughs> Next one, I just wanted to get your thoughts on like uh, the transfer knock-on. So if De Gea was to go, if Pogba was to go, if Lukaku obviously ends up at Inter Milan, where do we sit? Because obviously look, they're kind of, well, two players, two big senior players in there in terms of personality and performance, albeit inconsistent for Pogba and De Gea and, and, Pog, um, De Gea and Pogba if they were to go. Yeah, I mean, if, if even one, obviously Lukaku, you know, most likely going to go, but if, if De Gea and Pogba both go, which I don't think that's going to happen, but if they do both go, um, we're going to need to really recruit smartly, and probably going to have to, uh, you know, take a hit on the uh, on the wallet as well. Just to touch on as well the United tax, we just uh, spoke about it briefly, but we, we will players demand kind of higher wages, knowing that in the past we've paid it for players like Sanchez. Um, do you think we kind of shot ourselves in the foot big time there? Yeah, players know the value of our club. You know, that they know that we're willing to. We're in a desperate spot as well at the moment, so you know, players that do come in, they're going to expect at least 20-30% higher wages than they would at another club. To come and dig us out of a hole. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the part of the show where we give you fans a chance to send in your questions. So these are a few of the ones that we've had uh, received in on voice notes. Um, so here we are rolling up with the first one. Hello gentlemen, this is Andrew Lakey, also known as the greatest centre-half to never play professional football, also known as the Berlin Wall. Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, I've got a couple of questions for you. So Pep... Guardiola has done some amazing things at City. Can he be considered as one of the Premier League's greatest managers? Given the fact that he's got so much money at his disposal, when you look at the likes of Arsene Wenger and Alex Ferguson, who are bringing players through who cost absolute peanuts and making them world beaters compared to someone who has unlimited cash funds. Lakey, thanks a lot for the question, mate, uh, and a great question as well there. Um, I'm going to answer this one first, and I'm going to come over to get producer Pav's thoughts on this. I think in the modern-day game, I think Pep Guardiola can be uh, kind of classed as a world-class manager. Um, you know, the titles that he has won. Um, I also do like the style of play and his tactics. Um, I think he kind of overloads in various areas of the pitch, um, and I think that's what makes it hard for other teams to contain his team when playing. But when you look at the overall kind of um, image of a, of, a, of a football manager, I think when you compare it to the likes and the areas of, of uh, Sir Alex Ferguson and Wenger, you know, football was a very, very different game then. You know, they didn't just manage the 11 on the pitch. They took care of the whole football club. 
So my final answer for that is no, I don't think you can compare them to uh, Wenger and Sir Alex Ferguson because I think they built them football clubs up from um, the states that they were in and taking them to a completely different um, level and, and bring, building them up to the commercial entities that they are now. Have your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you there, Peaky, mate. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't say Pep's you know, on that exact same pedestal, but I say he's in the conversation uh, simply because he's reached uh, points tallies that Premier League hasn't seen before. Uh, he's gone on winning runs, uh, you know, historic winning runs. It's pretty much just killed the league off um, by just playing pretty much some of the best football that, um, you know, we, we've seen in, in the Premier League. Nice one. Right, now moving on to the next question. Hey there, guys. Peaky Pundit, the co-panel. Great show. Love it. Really, really good. Keep up the hard work. Um, I've just got a question. I just want to get your thoughts on the following. Um, how do you see next year's title race shaping up? And the reason I ask that is obviously we witnessed a fantastic title run-in. Uh, even throughout the season, we saw two heavyweight teams go at it, like a pair of boxers, right to the 12th round. You know, landing punch after punch. Great teams, outstanding. Um, whilst the other rival teams, they pretty much fell away, punched themselves out by, you know, round four, five, six, respectively. How do you think next season's title race is going to go? Do you think the other te rival teams are going to be able to breach that gap? Or do you think the gap is going to widen even more uh, in light of, you know, the transfer activity that's going to be thrust upon us over the next two months, say? Uh, which teams are going to progress uh, or regress for that matter as well? Who do you think is going to make the difference and and challenge those top two teams? And what do they have to do? Um, so, yeah, just wanted to get your thoughts on that, really. So over to you. Thank you. I have a great question uh, and one that pains me to answer, to, to be honest with you, mate. Um, I think the top two teams um, will be challenging for the title. Again, Liverpool uh, and Man City. Definitely Liverpool and City, you know, Definitely. And you know what it was? Liverpool, I, I hate to say it, but it's only a matter of time before we see them lift the Premier League trophy. I think what Klopp's doing at the football club over the last four years, you can see them edging closer and closer. This was a season where there was no room um, for error for either of the top two teams. Um, and, you know, finishing on 97 points and not winning the league is, is quite remarkable. Um, so next season, it'll be interesting to see because one slip up from either of them teams and I think the other one wins the league. Unfortunately, I think we're five or six years away from challenging for the title. Um, you know, so it pains me to say that Arsenal are in the same boat as us. Chelsea with their transfer embargo, I don't see them developing. Tottenham... Uh, again, same old story with them. We see them kind of pushing on, but then falling away after Christmas. So unfortunately, um, I think it's going to be the same uh, top two teams: Liverpool and Man City, challenging for the title. Producer Pav, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a carbon copy of what's happened in the eighteen nineteen season. I think it's going to be City and uh, City and uh, Liverpool duking it out at the top, and then it's going to be the cluster of you know um, Spurs, uh, Chelsea, Arsenal. And probably us just behind that. I think uh, the teams below us, uh, likes of Wolves, uh, Leicester and Everton, I think they're going to be sh uh, showing some good promise. So it'll be interesting to see where they finish up next season. Thanks for the question. Moving on to the third question for today. Cass from Unofficial Pundit here. Just wanted to know, if we sign Daniel James, which looks like it's a done deal, will he be a bench player next season? Or do you think he'll be one of our main stars? Cass, thanks for sending in the question. Um, 
I believe that um, Daniel James would be used as a player um, against sort of teams in the bottom half of the table initially, just to kind of work his way into the whole kind of setup and feel of being a Manchester United player. Um, quite similar to what we kind of saw with Ronaldo. But I think as the season progresses and he finds his feet and his confidence builds, um, I think we'll see him being a regular feature. The one good thing I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing with him, he's going to put a bit of pressure um, you know, on, say, if it's Martial out on the left. Um, and I think we need that. Um, and also, I can see him being a player that can be thrown on with 15, 20 minutes to go and potentially change a game with that kind of electrifying pace that we've you know, seen, seen from him online. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him being a Manchester United player. Yeah, I think he's going to be a bench player in the Premier League, uh, coming on, you know, looking for that impact, looking to, uh, you know, impress impress the fans and impress Oli. Uh, I think he'll get some uh, good opportunities and runs in the, the Europa League. Obviously, there's a lot of games we're going to have to play in that, and obviously cup runs as well, FA Cup and uh, Carab. It's still the Carabao, Carabao cup? cup, yeah, Carabao for now. Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the question, Kaz. On to the next one. Hey guys, how you doing? Aaron here. Uh, quick question on our centre-back situation. Who do you think would be the best fit for us? Uh, we've been linked to Alderweireld, Koulibaly, Maguire and Delit. Um, who do you guys think would be the best fit for us and who do you think the most attainable is? And I think, in my personal opinion, I'd like to see Delit come in. Um, I think because he's had that grounding from Ajax, um, I think he'll come with a lot of um, kind of depth to his game, uh, a lot of understanding as well of what it means to be uh, a player at Manchester United. I think Ajax is set up, what they've got from youth level right up um, is, is, is absolutely fantastic. And I think he'll be um, a better all-round player, you know, and a future captain of the football club because he'll come with good, good, solid grounding. So he's a player that I would like to see the club invest in and I I think he's the one long term, um, you know, we'll see having the best uh, kind of impact and performance for United. Uh, Pav, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, in terms of the one that's going to suit us the most, I'm actually I'm actually going to say Toby Alderweireld. Um, I think he's class. He's shown it at Spurs on a high level. Um, so if you were to give me the choice out of all those uh, defenders you named there, I'd, I'd say Toby Alderweireld. In terms of the, who's going to be the most attainable, um, as asked in the question, I'd probably, obviously not delete. I don't know what's happening with Alderweireld. Levy would just kind of do anything to stop that deal, I think. Um, probably Koulibaly if, we, if we've got the money to our money in our pockets. Interesting to see how that one develops. Uh, on to the next one. From Nav Nande. Surely rewarding Philip Jones, Smalling, Young, Juan Mata with new contracts. Juan Mata uh, is in the offing at the moment. Surely wouldn't these people with contracts at United is, sure, is definitely us not heading in the right direction. Who who has decided that these guys dis uh, deserve a new contract? And more importantly, if it's down to Ollie and Mike feeling, are they really the right people <laughs> to be making that decision? Uh, and all the future acquisitions, are they really the right people to be deciding upon that? Surely after having 10 years at a club, Smalling and Jones, even after 10 years, they're not good enough. When, when when will it be decided that we need to cut our losses with these guys? Now, good question. And one um, that frustrates many Manchester United fans, as you mentioned there, we've seen Smalling and Jones after 10 years at the club um, still are not performing at the level that we need and they're still being offered contracts. Um I, I completely do not understand, like you've asked the question there of who makes these decisions. Um We need to cut our losses with them. But I think it's the whole structure at the club. We've got scouts working at the clubs who aren't on the same page. We're disagreeing on different things. And we've got too many people involved at the football club who are there just simply on the payroll. 
Why the club keep offering Ashley Young, Smalling and Jones contracts to keep them at the club is beyond all of us. I, I simply can't answer that question any better than any other United fan um, because they're clearly not good enough to be at the football club. Pav, I, I want to get your thoughts on this because the more I talk about it, I don't know how many more yeah. times I can... Yeah, I'm mate, I'm, I'm exactly in the same boat. You said it perfectly. Like The more we talk about it, the more frustrated we get as to how we, we're even in the situation with these two below-par players. Um, should they be at the club? Should contracts be offered to them? Absolutely not. Um, who's making? The, who's giving the contracts out? Well, obviously, Edward Woods, you know, having, having a big say in that. I don't think Ollie's. Um, I don't think Ollie's had much of a say just yet. But um, yeah, it's just it's too frustrating to talk about, mate. Lovely guys, and just moving on to the final question in this week's um, uh, questions from you guys as fans. Hi all, it's Paul here from Slough. I've got a quick question in regards to our transfer activity. Um, for in getting ready for the next for the season ahead, I just wanted to find out what are the general views on Gareth Bale. Do you think that that transfer is possible? And if so, do you think he would be a good fit at Manchester United, given that he's twenty nine years old and his injury record thus far? Thank you very much. Cheers. Paul, thanks for the question, and this is one that's been documented quite well on online. Um, for me personally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even bother going in with Bale. Um, yes, he was a fantastic player. You know, when he was kind of at that peak, when he was uh, fit all season at Real Madrid or at Tottenham. But for me, you know, you've kind of indirectly answered that question for me. He's, he's a bit injury prone. He's going to come um, kind of with. Um, a, a big kind of wage wage bill as well. He's 29 years old, 231 appearances, 102 goals, 42 appearances and 11 goals last year. Um, he's in contract until 2022. What will happen? Uh, possible loan deal. I'm not too sure, to be honest with you. I, I, I wouldn't bother. I think we need to go for kind of young players out on the wide positions. I wouldn't mind investing in kind of older players to come maybe in the middle of the park with a bit of experience. Um but for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, entertain the bail deal. To be honest with you, Pav. Yeah, when I saw it, I was like, like to, to begin, with, I was like, nah. It's, it, why are we going down that road? We, we've gone down that road before, and it's, and it's not worked. Then I kind of had a little look at his stats, and I thought, you know what, he, he's on his days a class player. But then I kind of came back to realization, steer clear. It's not going to work. There's reports of him having a big ego in the dressing room. I think if he came in. I just think I don't think he'd click with the team and a few games in I wouldn't be surprised if he's injured for another few months after that. Just before we finish on that like obviously it was mentioned there as well about is he the kind of player that will fit United. I don't know what kind of player does fit United at the minute cause I'm not it's, cha it's changed so much. And, until we know what Oli's style of play is and we have to see that at the beginning of next season um, and I'm sure the players he's going to bring in will fit that mould so we'll see kind of you know how we set up next year but Bale is a no-go for me. Thanks a lot for those of you who sent in your questions on this week's podcast. Uh, keep a lookout on all the socials um, for next week of how you can send your questions in. Um, look, just want to move on now to the part of the show where we just cover kind of general football topics in the news this week. Um, Pav, just wanted to get your thoughts on Man City. The media are kind of um, coming out and saying they're kind of killing football at the moment and um, ruining the game a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, in the week leading up to games and kind of post-game, kind of staying stay in the kind of news, you listening to podcasts, you know, watching Sunday Supplement, this and that. And they're all, literally every single podcast and every single, you know, bit, bit of media I've watched, exact same thing, you know, Man City are killing football, Man City are making it less competitive, uh, Premier League isn't what it used to be sort of thing. I think that's, I think it's a bit harsh. I mean, what, what do you expect City to do? Lose on purpose? And the thing I don't get is that, obviously, look, don't forget, 
Roman Abramovich, he started this whole trend when he came into Chelsea, yeah. um, invested a lot of money and, and, you know, was buying players um, for fun. So, you know, look, I, I don't think you can knock the City owners for doing that. I just think they've got lucky with the owners they've got, whereas we've got kind of leeches who are just pulling money out of the club. So, like you said, what do you expect them to do? Kind of lose games um, as they go along. Also, look, staying with Man City for a second. Uh, Rumours of Pep leaving. Um, there's uh, reports linking him to a potential move to uh, Juventus. What do, you think, um, what do you think his thoughts might be on that? Yeah, I saw this one. I think it was uh, yesterday morning got got sent this one. But a uh, fair few news outlets saying, you know, Pep's pretty much going to Juventus. I don't see, I don't see why he would right now. Um, obviously, he's won two Premier Leagues on the bounce. Uh, the the kind of the Champions League still is in his sight. Um, I thought he'd probably be gearing up to have a final go at that um, next season. But I mean, what do you reckon? Do you, do you think? See, the, the, the Champions League seems to be the one what he struggles with for City. Um, you know, obviously, look, they won um, not the treble; they won a treble this year. They won the domestic treble. United won the treble. Just uh, you know, just to put it out there. Um, but look, I think, like you, like you said, I think he might um, give it one more year at City um, to try and go for that Champions League because I think the team he's got there at the minute is fantastic. So he's got a solid squad to compete uh, and give it another go next year. Uh, moving on to Chelsea. Chelsea are uh, apparently lining up a move for Frank Lampard to come in as their manager um, obviously we've seen it with Oli coming in an ex-player at United uh, worked brilliantly for the first sort of 12 games Frank Lampard what do you think his thoughts I know Sarri's not been 100% um, you know at Chelsea yeah this this is a real strange one um, obviously Frank Lampard's doing good things with Derby he's got a massive playoff game on uh, Monday to take him into the Premier League um, still fairly young in his managerial career um, and if, if, if I was him and he got offered the Chelsea job I would say decline it right now Chelsea run through managers season in season out so it's not like that opportunity is not going to come again I was just going to say because he's obviously quite new into his managerial career that job kind of would always be there on the table for him at the, at the right time yeah, do you think he should just be patient learn his trade a bit more um, you know before potentially taking up a job at the club he adores yeah I think you know see what happens with Derby you know if you, if you take him to the Premier League you can't just leave Derby you've got to kind of see the job out a little bit and have your first year as a Premier League manager um, but then again, you know the thought of you know your the club you're a legend that asking you to you know come and uh, come and manage them it'll be it'll be hard to turn down as well. But um, I think that's a lot of paper talk. I don't I don't see Chelsea going for Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard. Next topic, um, God, I don't know where to go with this, but apparently, you know, in the week this week, we've seen Ashley Young uh, might be named um, as our kind of full-time captain. We know he did it standing in for Valencia uh, while he was out injured, but there's obviously reports coming out this week that he is going to be announced or might be announced as our full-time captain of the football club. Surely not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, if if this happens and if he's made captain under Oli's decision, then I think... 80-90% of Old Trafford pr- pr- probably going to turn on Oli. What are, they, what are they seeing, though, in Ashley Young? The fact that he's starting games is yeah. one thing, but for him to be named as a captain of Manchester United Football Club, like moving forward as a, as a full captain, what are they? Are we missing a trick here or something that he's doing behind closed doors? Yeah, or? I mean, dressing room, he's, he's probably got some authority, um, but, you know, still, if you... Uh, I'd give captaincy to any other player on that pitch but him. Do you know what I mean? Surely as a captain, you've got to lead by example in terms of performance, not just... Yeah, you've got to be playing, you've got to be playing every single game as well, you know, ideally. Uh, reports are saying that he's going to be, you know, club captain, but he's going to be, you know, not playing as much. And it's going to be Pogba as the vice captain as kind of on the pitch. But we've had that kind of situation for years now where we haven't had a solid captain nailed yeah. down on the pitch commanding, you know, game in, game out. My, my thoughts, give it Pogba, let Pogba have it. And see if it boosts it up, yeah. 
Looking as well, we've got some big, big games coming up in the uh, playoffs as well in the final on Monday. Um, thoughts on that? Obviously, um, Aston Villa will be taking on Derby County. Predictions for that game? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Derby had that amazing game against Leeds in, in the semis. Um, it's it's going to be a good game. I'm actually really looking forward to that. And you've got the factor of Lampard versus Terry as well. Um, I, I reckon uh, I reckon Derby going to nick it. I, re- I, reckon, I reckon maybe 1-0 extra time. To be honest with you, I'm going for Derby as well. I'm going to go for 2-0 Derby after their performance that we saw against Leeds. Um, and also we've got the big clash in the Europa League final between Arsenal and Chelsea on Wednesday uh, the 29th. What are your predictions for that? Yeah, interesting one. Um, obviously a lot of press uh, this week about, about it with Mkhitaryan uh, not, you know, not allowed to play and uh, you know, travel with the squad for his safety. So... Um, yeah, I think I've got to think Arsenal are going to do it. I, I think uh, you know Unai Emery, his experience in that competition. I think, I think uh, the players are going to be up for it as well. I, I think Arsenal probably probably two one. Two one Arsenal. I'm going to go for Chelsea in that one. I think Chelsea are going to gear up towards it. Um, I'm going to go for one nil to Chelsea, um, but definitely going to see an English team win that one. Cool. So, Pete, you want to test your knowledge on uh, a little bit of an interactive section here, testing your knowledge. Um, so, this is all based on the Premier League statistics of 2018 and 2019. Um, it's got a little kind of mini quiz here. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. I'm two pints down now, mate, so I'm not <laughs> sure where my memory's going to be. <laughs> all right. So, they're all pretty much Man United uh, Man United themed. So, uh, let's test your knowledge and memory on, uh, on last let's season. Let's do this. Let's do this. So, uh, who scored the first Premier League goal of the season last season? So, not just United, the, the actual first Premier League goal of the season last season. God, I'm trying to think now. Think back to what was the first game of the season. Um, can you give us a clue of what the two teams playing? It's United and Leicester. Uh, I'm going to go for Rashford. It's a Pogba third-minute penalty. 2-1 uh, win. 2-1 win. Yeah. Friday night game, I bet. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it was a Friday, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a Friday, yeah. Pogba. Um, okay, on to the next one. Uh, so, how many goals did we score in the first four games under Oli? This was in the news quite a bit, those four games. Four games, it was quite a lot because I remember we had some big wins. Five. I'm going to go for 19. It was 14. Ah. And that was as many as Jose had in the previous eight. That's why it was kind of in, in the that news the a lot. News. Okay, um, next one. So, over or under, um, 60 goals last season we scored. Over or under? Under. Over 65, 65 goals. Um, on to the next one. Um, who got the most yellow cards for us? And a little bonus if you get the right amount. I'm going to go for Ashley Young. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? Ashley Young was second. Oh, okay. One more. Give, give us one more guess on this one. Um, Luke Shaw? Luke Shaw, yeah. Luke Shaw got 11, uh, 11 yellow cards. Ashley Young got eight. Eight. Um, how many clean sheets did De Gea get in the league? All season. God, I'm only. I'm going to keep it low. I'm going for five. Just about. Just about got it there. Seven. 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 Not yeah, bad. Man. That's not a bad guess. Um, apart from De Gea, uh, who played the most minutes for us on the pitch? And again, a little bonus if you can uh, get close to the amount of minutes played. I'm going to go for just purely because I'm. I'm sure every time he played, because I kept cursing him, and we haven't got another right back. I'm going for Ashley Young. No, it's Pogba, mate. Was it? Yeah, 4,012 minutes he clocked oh, up, yeah. Pogba. I thought it would have been Ashley Young, but fair play. Um, next one, uh, true or false, we only had two red cards in the whole season in the league. I'm going to go for true. No, false, we had four, so Rashford got sent off. I uh, remember that game. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had Bailly, Matic and Young, so four Bailly red cards four. total. Um, final one here, you probably clock it right. Um who was the player that was caught offside the most? 20, and this was 23 times they got caught. 
It's got to be Rashford. Lukaku. Lukaku. Uh, I didn't think he started enough games yeah. to be Lukaku. Yeah, Lukaku got caught uh, 23 times offside. It was Rashford actually second with 15. So, yeah. I, I fully, purely thought it would have been uh, Rashford because I didn't think Lukaku you know, started that many times. But fair play. Well, that goes. it's them Timberland boots. He can't pick his feet up <laughs> quick enough, mate. Right, guys, that concludes this week's podcast. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed the show. Um, and don't forget to uh, give the show a subscribe as well so you can uh, listen into our weekly podcast. Um, we're going to be travelling to the Manchester United versus Bayern Munich uh, treble u- reunion game um, this Sunday. One I'm really, really looking forward to, along with producer Pav. So look out for the matchday vlog um, of that that we're going to be dropping on Sunday. Um, sorry, next week after the game. So you've been tuned into the Pints and Pundits podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. <laughs>